do 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 do. That was close enough. That was off. Here's Todd. I mean, I'm Todd. What are you? Who are you? <laughs> this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 357, all prime numbers. Mm, that's important. <laughs> <laughs> In case you were wondering, I love prime numbers. Yeah, they're Kinda nice. Kind of like primary colors. Yes. Red, blue. What's another primary it's color? because you're a left-brainer. You just like things to have places you're and boxes. You're a left-brainer. No, I'm not. No, you're not. Uh, what is Zen Parenting Radio? Zen Parenting Radio is a podcast where we are going to help you feel outstanding. And who does not want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Um, and this section of the podcast is brought to you by Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, Dr. Kelly. Nice. Yeah, she's doing something special this month. I'm going to tell you what it is. She's doing a lunch and learn how to handle stress on January 26th Nice. at 151 Kitchen. At twelve thirty, that's the place that we went to. Oh, I thought you were giving a time. Like, no, at one. The name of the restaurant. Oh, at that restaurant. Yeah. cool. In Elmhurst. So, so go to CairoTree.com and learn more about it if you want to learn about uh, how to handle stress. Sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, I do. Um, and I also wanted to find out what we're talking about on the show, and it looks like we're going to be talking about five essential questions in life. Correct. And I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about that. But first, I do feel like we should do a brief uh, conference update. And before we talk about it, um, I need to thank some sponsors. Okay. I can't hear it. Oh, good. You're listening to my... Your computer's making weird noises. Right. And I don't think it's coming through on the podcast. Good, good, good. We have some sponsors. And they just signed up with us. One is letitbeus.org. Yay! That's Susan McConnell. Um, we just interviewed her two Fridays ago mm-hmm. with um, a with few... With Carolyn and Kyle. Thank you very much. Um, so Let It Be Us, they are going to be one of our premier sponsors. So we're looking forward to having them. And then... Well, and let's explain what they do. Probably a good idea. Yes. They are... Um, it's a nonprofit organization that focuses on foster care and adoption. Yes. And they do amazing work. They're based out of Barrington, Illinois. Um, and again, as Todd said, they will be there... Um, connecting us all. Yes. And we also have a second sponsor, which is HGNA. Yes. They, they sponsored us last year, and HGNA stands for Helping Girls Navigate Adolescence. Correct. And they do, and we've interviewed Susan and... Mary Ellen. Thank you, Mary mm-hmm. Ellen, a few years ago. And they do wonderful work, and we're really appreciative of their support of the conference. Yeah, so they do a few things. They have this thing um, in Downers Grove called Chick Chat, which is kind of like what Todd and I used to do with BU, but theirs is much bigger Mm. and has been around much longer. And basically they... support and offer tools to, you know, pre-adolescent girls and get them talking and communicating and um, giving them information about how they can take care of themselves. And they also do yoga classes for these girls. Um, They have speakers that come in and you are actually going to be one of their speakers. Yeah. uh, There's a dad's group that is affiliated with HGNA and Mm -hmm. I'm going to speak at their uh, quarterly meeting where there's me somewhere between 50 and 100 dads where I'm going to talk to them about work-life balance and parenting and men's work and things like that. Is that a brewery in Downers Grove? Yes. And there'll be more information on zenparentingradio.com. I don't have that in front of me, but it's February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. Okay. It's going to be fun. Okay. And then our last sponsor, we had, we were very sponsor heavy last week, mm-hmm. uh, CertifiedTaxCoach.com. That's Dominique. Yes. From San Diego. And Tony. And Tony, but it's not Tony's company. It's Dominique's Tony company. is yeah. a law enforcement officer. He is. Dominique is a certified tax coach. So plan a little, save a lot with a personalized 
tax strategy, and Dominique can help you. So go to certifiedtaxcoach.com, and we can't wait to see our friends at the conference. Yay. And then we do have some Zen friends, and Zen friends are people who are or or are not going to the conference but want to support uh, us in helping people who can't afford to go to our conference. And I'm getting more emails for people who want to go mm-hmm. than I am getting Zen friends. And I'm just saying that because, as in because a good it's way. The truth, it's right. the truth. Um, there are people who are asking for help and we, we've we kind of balanced out, meaning now we're at a place where... We're now at a deficit we're or we're about deficit. to be. Uh, but yeah. we did get three new Zen friends. Right. Christine McFadden, do you know her? Yeah, she is my sister. Uh, Nancy Bird, do you know her? I do. That's one of my best friends from college. And Sarah Farrell, do you know her? I do not know Sarah. I can't wait to meet Sarah someday. I know. I'm excited. Maybe she will be one of my best friends. So if you're interested in helping us bring people who can't can't afford it or need some support, like a half price thing, uh, please go to our website, zengetsreal.com. Click on register. You're not registering for the conference, but there's a line item where you can donate to the Zen Friend cost. And I, I said that we've kind of, you know, maxed out, but if you want to use Zen Friends, um, email us at comments at zenparentingradio.com because you never know what can happen. At least get on the list if yep. you if you want to be considered. So, my dear, what is what are the five essential life questions? So... There's this video that I saw. Um, It was from a Harvard uh, Graduate School of Education commencement speech um, given by Dean James Ryan. And his talk was focused around the five essential questions in life. And I think these are his questions, um, meaning that I don't think he took this from anybody else. He kind of put together his own wisdom and what we need to be focused on, the things that we should be regularly asking ourselves and others. Okay? Ready. So five questions. You just want me to jump in? Jump in. Okay. Both feet. So this one kind of cracks me up because the first question is the question that kids kind of ask a lot where, you know, when you like are giving them all sorts of things, like we're going to do this and then we're going to go here and then you're going to clean your room and then we'll be home at nine. And give them the plan. And they'll go, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Brutal. Because basically they weren't listening until you said the clean your room part. Right. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. What? The only thing worse than that is when um, people interrupt me. I can't stand interrupting. What's What's worse than what? Wait, I'm confused. What you just described? Wait, what? Uh huh. Yeah, like when you do it like for a long time, and then all of a sudden they say what? Yeah. The the thing, another trigger for me. Oh, is when you get interrupted. Yeah, and I do that to you a lot, but I'm scared that I might forget to say what I want to say. Do you notice that I interrupt you a lot? Yes, I do. And you never get mad at me. We get emails about it. People will say, Kathy, do you get frustrated when Todd interrupts you? But not even on the podcast, just in general. Like we're talking about our daughters and all of a sudden something will come to me <laughs> and I'll just completely You know what you got to do? Yeah. You got to use mental cues. You've got to do things like um, acronyms or you have to like, if you're thinking of a story. To about, remember what, to it, remember what see, you're going to say. See how say. I just interrupted you? Yes. Because <laughs> um, that's what I do. Because I... It's overwhelming to me, especially if like I'm doing women's circle or I'm teaching a class or I'm in a group, you know, I'm, I'm facilitating a group and then someone is talking and they're in the middle of their thought. But I have like something that I think is going to be so valuable. Yeah. I obviously don't want to interrupt them because mm-hmm. they're in the middle of their flow, but I don't want to forget because they're going to keep going and, and I'm going right. to go to that other direction. So I use those kind of mental gymnastics. I got one other random funny thing to share. Okay. Uh, my friend Chris Hansen, who sometimes listens to the show, I, uh-huh. I haven't heard from him in a while, so maybe uh-huh. he's not listening. Um, one funny thing he used to do is like, 
if I would say, um, oh, well, remember this phone number, Chris, and I'll be 685-4392. It'll say like 89124. <laughs> he'll like make up seven completely different numbers. Correct. And it would... Didn't we see that in a... <laughs> oh, no, that was um, a 30 Rock. It was Tracy Jordan. Um, so we get into 30 Rock. What stuff. do you mean getting into 30 well, Rock? in this podcast. Right, right away. You've been in 30 Rock for quite some time now. I just listen to it before I go to sleep. You know, sometimes if I can't sleep, I don't do it every night. But I, so, you know, I dream about Alec Baldwin a lot due to that. I know. You know, which is interesting in this space and time. He's got the match game now. Yeah, he does. And he's got this new movie coming out about baby boss or something. And he's got a new baby or doesn't he? Or maybe, oh, yeah. Maybe he's the got three old. children now. Yeah. Yeah. A little baby. You have okay. two sets of headphones on, by the way. What does that mean? You're headphone heavy. You got another set right around your neck. Oh, yeah. Well, those are my Wi-Fi ones. Yeah. Or what are they called? Uh, Not Wi-Fi. What are they called? Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Yeah. Because so, I've been doing a lot of back and forth today. Yes. You we know. have two sick kids. <laughs> we do. <laughs> well, one is recovering from a surgery. The other one has strep. The old tox- tonsillectomy and yes. adenoidectomy. And so we've been very homebound, Todd and I. Yeah. Um, we just, it's nice that it's raining. Well, one quick thing is, you know how like uh, something happens, you'd be like, of all the times, every time... When, you know, this has to happen when on I this day. When I have a work day. function or right. blah, blah, blah. My thing is, it doesn't always, we think that like the worst things happen at the worst moments, but actually good and bad things happen all the time. But when like this time our kids are sick, but our, it's Martin Luther King Jr.'s day off today. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a perfect time for them to be sick. Right. thing is we won't remember that it's perfect timing because we as human beings sometimes focus we only remember the negative story. Or we would say to ourselves, this isn't the perfect day because we wanted to do something together or I wanted this day off to relax or the kids are supposed to do their homework and so we'll view it as right. being imperfect just because we don't want to deal. Right. So it's all about perception. But to you and I, we've, we've felt lucky that we've been able to just kind of hang at home. For sure. So anyway, let's go back to the, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah, that was kind of funny. Um, I know. So kids typically pose this question when, you know, they... They basically haven't been listening at all. And then you say something that captures their interest because it usually means they have to do something. But it's really the way that, uh, you know, we're looking at this as an essential question is it's an effective way to ask for clarification. And this is crucial, as he says, crucial to understanding. It's a question you should ask before drawing any conclusions or before making a decision. Okay. So when we are reading something, when we are listening to somebody offer us information, if we don't understand, if we don't feel like we have all the information, saying, wait, 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 what is like essential? Because how many people these days hear something and maybe like glide over something and then either become misinformed. Like you and I were just having this discussion about the, you know, the medication that Skylar was supposed to be taking. Yeah. And I swear, you know, after her surgery, I got so many phone calls from the hospital. I got so many letters, notices saying, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do, which is fantastic. Like, I'm not saying that was a negative experience, but it does get, you feel as if it's redundant. Yeah. And then I realized that I was only tuning in to one piece. Yeah. I was just tuning into this certain medication. When should she take it? I wasn't listening to all the other things. And so now, like in hindsight, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what should I be doing here? And so it's basically just the reminder. Again, this is just an essential question. Don't get too literal about it. It's the reminder that when we're listening to someone, if there's something we don't understand or something that we aren't 
really getting, then we say, wait, what? Well, a few realizations from what you just said. Yes. Um, you know, like in a work setting, let's say, because I, I sell connections to precast concrete manufacturers. And a lot of the times I'll be talking to an engineer and they'll be saying something to me that I have no idea what they're talking about. Right. But I will pretend I know exactly what they're talking about. Good example. The reason I pretend is, one, because of my own um, Insecurity. insecurities that I feel like I'm supposed to know what they're talking about by now. I've been right. doing this a long time. How can I possibly ask them to clarify a question. I would be a much smarter man if I took the advice that you're giving Mm -hmm. right now from schooling all the way through adulthood. I think so many times we're just so scared of being embarrassed. Mm -hmm. At least I am. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if that goes with most people. It's imposter syndrome. It's Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So if we can um, embrace the fact that we don't know something and ask those clarifying questions, I think we would be much better off. It's just a matter of getting past the insecurities. Exactly. And really, this is what we ask our kids to do all the time at school, right? Mm. They'll come home and say, I don't understand. And we'll be like, we'll go ask the teacher. Or did you raise your hand and ask the question? We're so annoyed at them. Yet in our own lives, we're walking around pretending that we know what everybody's talking about. And I think... One of the things that I really appreciate, I think this is just me being the age I am now and just the being so engaged and um, and thoughtful about authenticity. I'm not saying I'm authentic every second of the day, but I'm more thoughtful about it. I try and practice it more. Is it feels really good to ask a question when you don't know the answer. And initially, the person may kind of give you a look like, how do you not understand this? But if you stand your ground and not backpedal and be like, oh, I'm so stupid and I should have known. Right, just say no. And just stay, I don't understand. Be confident. I don't know the answer to this. It's very empowering to you, meaning that they may think you're stupid or roll their eyes or whatever, but if you're like, no, actually, I don't understand, there's something very empowering about being willing to show yourself. Yeah, and to be vulnerable. To be vulnerable. Because you're giving that person permission to be authentic Correct. too. Correct. One other quick example, Greg Gerlach, my friend, our yes. fr- friend, my fraternity brother. Yes. He had kind of a weird way of speaking, whereas like he was very nasally and he was hard to understand some of the times. <laughs> yes. And it'd be so, it was like kind of an, in, not an inside joke, it was a joke, a deliberate joke at his own expense. And he would say something, but half the time we wouldn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. He's a really smart guy, oh, everything. Yeah. It was He's just the way smart. he yeah. spoke was hard to understand. So half the time we would go along with whatever he was saying, even uh-huh. though we didn't know what he was saying. And sometimes he'd be like, so what do you think about that? And I'd be stuck because I was saying, yep, 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 for like the last two minutes. Yeah. And then I'd be like, Greg, I have to apologize. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. And I just wanted you to think that I did. As soon as you... Stop listening or pretend you're already disconnected. Yeah. Because you're already not in Correct. tune with what's happening. Correct. And that could be in a conversation with Greg or with someone giving a presentation. Now, there are times when you're in something that everything is so over your head, you'd be stopping them every two minutes. Right. And so that's your own work to right. go back and at least get a basic knowledge. But let me tell you something that I heard uh, a, a woman, or actually, I think I heard it on a podcast, and I can't even remember which one, but they were talking about how I think it was actually Jonathan Fields and he was talking about when he was talking to Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. She was saying that the like the statistic around how many people read research and understand oh, it I think I remember hearing this. is like 
five percent. Yeah. So like what that means is that someone will spend their lives like ten years, five years, you know, two years, a full year doing this amazing research that helps helps us understand human behavior or physicality or you know the humanities of some kind, and then they'll publish it and nobody will read it. Mm-hmm. The reason no one will read it is because it's written in a way that only their peers can yeah. understand it. And so it it doesn't speak to the common person. So the information that they're trying to share with the world doesn't get out there. And it ended it ends up just being this ego trip with their peers. Yeah. And Brene Brown said, I think to Jonathan Fields, that this is the most common practice and that writing something for the common person is looked down upon by academics. And that doesn't shock me at all. Yeah. Because, you know, when we're in a certain field, like when I first started writing um, about self-awareness, when I came into it, I tend to have a little more history and, and just in my own thinking of more of a spiritual slant. And so I was using a lot of spiritual language or yogic language. And I felt that I had to do that to demonstrate that I was spiritual and yogic. Right. I had to be like, I have to share all these words. Everybody knows I get it. Right. And I have come so, hopefully... Far from to that. where you don't feel like you know anything and you're willing to embrace anybody. A, I don't know anything. The more I know, the more I know I don't know anything. B, those words just separate me from people. And yeah. I, I'm not saying I don't use them at all because I don't know when I am or not, meaning some of them have become just regular vocabulary. But believe me, I'm doing my best on this show and in writing to speak of things in the most common way for myself, for you, for the two of us, for people who are listening. And that sometimes when people are using language that feels above people's head. I have an example. Oh, let's hear it. Dennis Miller. Remember? When he, he was the, uh, the color guy? Stand on, up. He's color guy on, on uh, Monday Night Football. In SNL. Stand yeah. up. He would always use these four syllable words mm-hmm. when a one syllable word would work. And he used to drive me crazy. And yeah. he's known for that. Like, mm-hmm. and maybe it's because he's a brilliant guy and he doesn't know how to use common language. Mm-hmm. But I don't connect with the guy. So maybe he doesn't care if I connect with him. But he's not connecting with most common people. He's only connecting with the people who have a thesaurus or a dictionary in their brains. Yes. And so it's that middle place of there are some people who talk with a higher level vocabulary. And that doesn't mean they're wrong for doing it if they are authentically being themselves. It's not that you can't use higher level words because you have to, in you know, I'm putting this in air quotes, dumb yourself down. That's not what I'm saying. But when we are using that language to impress other people, then it becomes inauthentic. Right. So really, it goes back to what we talk about all the time on this show. Just be yourself. And how do you talk about things? And I think sometimes, you know, we when we are most insecure is when we are most likely to speak above ourselves right. when we're going to use this really, you know, strict, uh, this really high level language to demonstrate our knowledge rather than just show up, be ourselves and offer what we know. Dare I play a clip from a Dennis Miller ranch just to see if he uses any of this kind of uppity if language? If you want, if you want. I have no idea if this is going to work. Okay. <laughs> I used to scoff at the art of parenting. When I was single, I was walking down the street one day in New York City. I saw a guy with one baby in a carriage wailing like a prison siren and another baby master blastered onto his back in a sapien holster. He was feeding both of them a combination of Cheerios, Wyback crackers, and Juicy Juice from a baggie he had scotch taped to his chest hair. <laughs> All the while, he was pulling baby wipes out of a belly pack like a coked-up Baccarat dealer going through a four-deck shoe, and I... 
Okay, that's enough. Anybody know what he's talking about? <laughs> he's trying. I, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> he's trying to give us some some huge visuals, um, but, but it and for some it may work. Well, and, he's got a show, or he had a show. I mean, he was successful, so obviously he does something right. But Dennis Miller is a really outdated reference, though, my love. Yeah, except for the fact that most people who listen to the show is, are between 35 and 55. And, and they, they know, know who he they is. They know exactly yeah, who he is. You're right. It's just funny to think about because, you know, he's he's kind of out. So but real quick, so the first question... Is wait what? Wait what? And, and the bottom line with wait what, it's important to understand that you need to understand an idea before you advocate for or against it. The wait, which precedes the what, is also a good reminder that it pays to slow down and make sure you truly understand, okay? And, and instead of saying, wait, what? You might say, help me understand that. I, I you know, just, yeah, we're just choose, playing with language. Choose your language. Right, wait, what? Second question, I wonder, which can be followed by why or if. So I wonder why or I wonder if. Asking I wonder why is the way we remain curious about mm -hmm. the world. Yeah. Okay. And isn't that what we're here to do is to wonder? And I mean that in the most basic way, like to just look around and just wonder where we're from. And, you know, I went to see um, Hidden Figures yesterday, Yeah. which was phenomenal. And People. Real quickly, what is the movie about? Hidden Figures is about three African-American women who were so essential in the NASA program, like at the time that we were trying to get, you know, John Glenn into outer space yeah. around that time, the Kennedy administration. Um, they were so crucial. And these are women that I had no idea existed mm -hmm. and that are never talked about in history books, thus the, the title, Hidden Figures. And they were... It just was so inspirational and so it was so interesting, like what they were going through personally and what the world was going through and then what they were doing mm -hmm. and how they were treated in the workplace and much of it very bad and then some of it very inspiring. Um, I highly recommend you take your daughters and I highly recommend you take your sons. This has nothing. This is not a woman's movie. This is a, a movie for all people. Yeah. Um, and I just loved it. And my point is that besides all those great things that were in the movie about, you know, inspirational women and, um, you know, s civil rights and such, there was also that the whole concept of space. And there's this scene um, where when John Glenn finally blasts off, and of course, just like in any good you know, space movie when they look back on Earth. Mm. And it's just so incredible what they see. Like, it you would, mean once they're out of the atmosphere yeah, and they could see the and Earth? And they can see the Earth and it's yeah. just this round thing. And it's a tiny speck in regards to the vastness of the universe. And we're just like little critters <laughs> yeah. wandering this Earth thinking that it's important that we're not late for the party. Yeah. It's just so. It just puts things in perspective. I think um, everybody should have a picture of the Earth yes. taken from the moon on their vision board. Yes. Because it does, it truly does kind of makes us small in a good way. It does. And I love that quote. I'm not going to do it verbatim, but of the idea of how really unimportant we are and how vastly important we are. The, the two things literally live side by side. We are so small in terms of the world, yet we are so large in terms of the world. And yeah. I think if you listen to this show, you know what I mean. Like from the John Glenn perspective, we're we're just a speck on this planet, you know? It's like Horton Hears a Who, you know? Yeah. When that whole town is on that little flower. Um, 
But then in the other perspective, each of us carries so much potential. Yep. And we carry this, we are like a puzzle piece for the world. We're like a piece that is necessary to make things work. And again, this movie, Hidden Figures, it just demonstrated how these women were essential to move things along and how each person is so valuable in that way. You know, the other, just to focus on women for a second, you guys, I've talked about the um, the uh, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls book that I've been reading with my daughters. and That we're going to have at the conference we're for gonna sale. We're going to be selling it at the conference, yes. Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. And it's so wonderful. Because it it is all these stories of these women who have been maybe some some of them have been spoken of. It's not like you know Venus and Serena are in there, Hillary Clinton's in there, um, you know uh, Michelle Obama. Most of the people we have never heard of, though. Majority, majority we have never heard of, and have amazing stories. Yes, and we're essential for the for our world the progress, to move along yeah. as we did. So it's just you know, so it's great. So. Um, real quick, yes. I think the value of what you're saying, and the second question is, I wonder why or if, yeah. is because we are so used to feeling like we have to be decisive. We need to judge. We need to discern. We need to be convinced. We need to be clear. And that is really not how you learn about things. You no. learn about things by wondering, right. by asking if or how. And we are conditioned to say that if we don't know everything, then we are less than valuable. Or if I haven't seen it before, it must not exist. And that makes no sense. Yeah. The, everything that we're seeing right now in front of us didn't exist at one point. And somebody saw it in their mind. Yeah. Somebody had an imaginative idea. Someone created it. Somebody took an old idea or worked hard enough, you know, like the Thomas Edison's of the world who had a million failures, yeah. but then finally figured it out. Like, like that's that's what we do. So when we say, "Well, oh, I wonder if that would work." Well, it didn't work before, so I'm going to quit. Right. Come on, there are so. I wonder if this would work. And the the example that he gives in the speech is, as in, I wonder why our schools are so segregated, and I wonder if we could change this, or I wonder why students often seem bored in school, and I wonder if we could make their classes more engaging. Just the questions of, I wonder. If, because that opens the door to the multitude of possibilities. Right. But unless we wonder, then we don't know. So be, that is question two. Be curious. Uh, real quick, before you get to question three, yes. um, our um, affiliate partner, Healthy Habits, Happy Moms. I screwed that up last time, but I'm Say not going to say it again. So. Healthyhabitshappymoms.com slash zen. So what it is, it's a 12-month 12 12 course for busy moms who are looking for healthy bodies, sound minds, and permanent lasting freedom from food and weight loss obsession. No diets, no body shaming. For more info, go to healthyhabitshappymoms.com slash zen. Nice. What's your um, third question? Third question. Couldn't we at least... Couldn't we at least? I like that one. This is the question that will help us get unstuck, okay? It's what helps us get back past some disagreement and consensus. Like, I'll give you an example of where I am right now with some of the divisiveness and the dis in the political discord. Yeah. Couldn't we at least agree that being kind is what we all want? Why is that a divisive issue? Can we at issue? least agree on that one Can thing? We agree that when someone is unkind that we don't value that and that and it's not and I'm not saying it it's all coming from one side I'm not I see it all right. I see it everywhere but I kind of feel like we're arguing about things I wrote something uh 
for our Facebook page. Did you read it? No. What I wrote? I wrote it last night for Martin Luther King. And basically what I said was that there are some things that to me, I thought we just all agreed upon. I just... Baseline. For the 45 years I've lived on this earth, I thought, okay, we agree that kindness is good, decency is essential, and diplomacy is the best way to get things done. Right. Right? How is that being called into question right now? Well, it's because we have uh, thousands of years track record of of men creating wars with other men. So when you say diplomacy... That hasn't really always been the case. No, it's, it's not the way of things. I wish it were the way of things, and it does work it it can work all the time but i guess what i mean is you're right it's been happening all the time but when i'm having discussions with people about what's best for the world and i'm not talking about political policy i'm talking about the overall like energy yeah i it's been crazy that i'm actually having a discussion with people who say being diplomatic is not a good thing, and sometimes you got to be unkind. Yeah. And well, like, I mean, this is a parenting podcast. There's a lot of parents, probably not ones that li- would listen to a podcast like this one, but say, no, you don't have a discussion with your child. What you do is you discipline them. What you do is you spank them. What you do is you put them in a corner. What you do is you give them a timeout. What you do is uh, this and that. Okay. No, there's no space for that, they say. They're saying you need to show them who's boss. You need to uh, make sure that they... Are negatively re- that you are negatively reinforcing whatever behavior you're trying to avoid, as opposed to the ways that we talk about. You know what I see? What you're trying to say is that even though maybe those have been held up ideals, they're not really practiced all the time. Yeah. And and by no yeah, it's an ideal anybody, for right. sure it, to most. And I guess that's the thing is is can we just agree those are ideals? Are ideals. And maybe 99% of you would be like, yes, maybe you're saying yes, but I feel like even that's come into question. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that what we're gunning for? And, you know, so another- well, when we were talking with Anne Marie, you, you were struggling with how to not use the word fight when you're talking about, you know, trying standing to- up for things. Yeah, yeah. And she gave you the language that helps stand. stand up, mm-hmm. D- don't fight. And you're like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, what's the difference? Are you going to fight or you're going to stand up? What's the difference? And to somebody like you who so values specific language, oh, it's a complete it different makes word. all the difference. It's a completely different word because they are different actions. Yeah. Like I am very clear about what I stand for now and I'm standing up for it. Right. Not against. Not against. And I am not fighting. I'm not doing any of that because it drains me. It makes me sick. It doesn't help Why anybody. do you think it's important to have this language that you feel so good about when certain people are like, well, it's the same thing. Well, for me, and I can only speak for myself, language is energy. Words are things. And I also believe that words carry an energy that then evoke an action. So unless I'm clear about what the word means, then I might use one word and then go in the wrong direction. It may send me on a trajectory that I'm not trying to go on. And I also believe that words for me, and this is part of me as being a writer, I know when words feel good, and I can feel when they start to go a different way. Mm-hmm. And, and that, when you say that, you're basically saying it's inauthentic. It's just doesn't. It either doesn't sound like me, and it's totally inauthentic, and I'm making it up, like I said before, about using words to prove that I'm smart. Yeah. Or I can feel that they are, I'll go back to our talk with Anne-Marie, below the line. Yeah. Like, really, my intention is to try and get people to think like me mm-hmm. versus then just to share how I feel. Right. So words, and then again, going back to, you know, words are real, living, breathing things. So if you are going to use 
a certain word, you better understand the what it evokes in people. And I don't think fight for me it doesn't bring about goodness. It makes me want to go sit in a corner and right, cower. Right, and withdraw. And But standing up for something, I Empowers get very you. strong. Um, so going back to question three, okay. couldn't we at least? Couldn't we at least? And, and that's just basically saying... Couldn't we at least all agree that we care about our kids, even if we disagree about how, how to we do care it. about them. Yes. Couldn't we agree that that we want what's best for this country? Right. Couldn't we at least agree that we want what's best for the environment? Yes. Couldn't we and, agree? And, and then we'll hash out the best way to get there. Beautiful. But can we start, begin with the end in mind? Yes. Dr. Covey. Yes. Right? Is he a doctor? Uh, Stephen Covey. Stephen I don't know Covey. if he. I, I don't know if he was a doctor or not. He passed away. But um, anyways, so that's. Couldn't we at least? Is I hear that we disagree here. I hear you have a different background than I do. I hear you know more about that than me. I hear you've had these experiences and I haven't. Couldn't we at least agree? Yeah. That the end result we're looking for is, is this. Yes. And that's a great question. Yeah. Right. That's and good. that's a great. I think for leaders. Mm-hmm. If you really want to, you know, and I'm, and when I say leaders, I, again, I'm not talking government. I'm talking in our own family or in our businesses or as a PTA president or as someone who is leading the charge around anything. That's really where we want to go. Is couldn't we at least consider, you know, or couldn't we at least look at it this way? Because those, that's what brings everybody together right. on the same page. Is that's what helps us refocus on what we really want, and then we can be creative on how to get there. Okay. Um, are we ready for question four? Sure. Before we get there. Um, I want to quickly talk about the foundations course that I've been going with. Uh, Anne-Marie has that foundations course. Okay. And there is, um, Anne-Marie's website is bringithome.me. And the course, I just started it. It's actually really, really awesome. So if you, it will help you parent. When you say foundations course, yeah, explain more. It's like a virtual course. Right. Well, I know what it is. You could do it whenever you want. It's uh, YouTube clips of Anne-Marie teaching certain lessons, many of which we talked about. Uh, in an interview last Friday, above the line, below the line, mindfulness, presence, things like that. Um, it'll help you parent more from love and less from fear. It helps you to be present, reduce drama in your family, reduce stress, and really be the parent you want to be. So I am a big fan of this course. I'm doing it. And there is a coupon code if you're interested. Uh, put Zen 10 in there and you'll get 10% off. So. Zen 10. Zen 10. You know, speaking about people we love, um, Todd and I, those of you who are on Facebook or already have your tickets to the conference know this, but we decided to invite the two people that have been on the show the most, two of our best friends from the show, Dr. John Duffy and Annie Burnside, to be with us on Friday night at the conference. Yes. And they said yes. And we are thrilled. So basically what's going to happen on Friday night at the conference Todd and I are going to do about an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. And then John and Annie are going to come up with us and we're going to do a panel about raising resilient children in an anxious world. And I'm just thrilled because I know them both so well and their perspectives are so warm and loving and um, they make you... They make you think. They're very, they're radical. And they're very in alignment with what you and I have to share. That's true too. But they also have things that bring, are their own. Bring their own take. Yeah, in. exactly. So I'm just really thrilled about that. So if, you're, if you've been on the fence about like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going, maybe that'll tip you. It'll because be good. we are adding some two more wonderful people to the conference. So question anyway, number four. The fourth question, how can I help? 
this is my question with my children 80 mm, times a day. Yeah, we do say that a lot, don't we? It is an important question. And I, I say it to anybody that I feel like is struggling, adults, you, um, my children. Uh, sometimes I say it to myself, like, okay, how can I help myself right now? And basically it's that we are being, we're having enough humility to take direction, you know, instead of assuming that we're going to be the saviors and come in and make everything right and and we know what to do and our way is the right way, we will be humble enough to say, how can I help you? Yeah. How do you, how do I make your life easier? And I think that has been a relationship saver for my children and I, and I know for you and I, like with the girls, you know, when they are struggling or they're sad, if I come in with all my stories and I come in with all my, this is what you need to do and then you need to do this or you should be upset about this or you should have done this, it doesn't do anything. Mm. If they're crying or sad or disappointed and I say, how can I help? Sometimes they say, I don't know, just be there. Or sometimes I'll say, how can I help? And then I'll ask some questions. Yeah. You know, like Cameron is sick upstairs and she doesn't know what she wants. So I said, what can I do for you, honey? How can I help? And then I finally said, maybe can I rub your feet? Mm-hmm. And she was like, yes. Yeah, sometimes it's weird. I'm thinking more in a in a partner relationship type thing. Uh-huh. Um, first of all, you can never go wrong by asking somebody, how can you help? Yeah. But having said that, sometimes to take it one step further, uh-huh. Sometimes uh, it's they're not in a place where they even want to say what it is that they want. Uh-huh. And sometimes you need to be intuitive enough to say, this is what I'm going to do for you. Yes. I'm going to rub your feet. Or say, how about this? Or how about, yeah, like come up with things. Because sometimes it's, uh, you know, the person's just not in a place to even want to ask for it. And sometimes they don't know, but I feel like the question opens the door to communication. The question, again, there's something really beautiful about having the humility to, instead of demand that someone does things your way, Mm -hmm. you actually say, what do you think would be helpful and how can I come to a service? If they say, I don't know, but you know they need help, sure. Throwing out examples can always be a great idea, Um, but that's the first question. Fifth question. Number five. And this is what I've been dealing with for the last couple months. All right. What truly matters? Mm. And then you can always put to me at the end of that. What truly matters to me? This is a question that forces you to get to the heart of issues and the heart of your own beliefs and convictions. Okay? Instead of maybe, you know, this year we just got through our January 1st New Year's resolution time. We don't even talk about those anymore because I don't think they're really that valuable. I can't stand resolutions. I know. But this could be put in place of resolution. What truly matters to me? Because then maybe it'll give me like a guidepost for my year. Maybe it'll give me a a place, a a groundwork for what I want to focus on. Um, What truly matters to me? So I feel like that's really important. Again, in our own families and then in the bigger picture, you know, in my own family, my answer to that question, if I was to be really simple... What truly matters to me? Relationships with the people I love. Mm -hmm. Period. Drop the mic. Done. Relationships. So everything I do with Todd or with my girls, my focus is the relationship. Now, that doesn't mean that I go to them and they demand things and I give it to them. Relationship is also with myself. How do I not self-betray? How do I stay in my integrity and then have relationship with others? So this is the the dance or the practice of how 
our family works best. Well, and to give you an example, when I, when you said this, it made me think of sometimes there is a disconnect between what truly matters to me as compared to what it is you spend most of your time doing. Mm. For example, a lot of men or women spend a lot of their time excelling at work Mm -hmm. because what they, you ask these people, what's the most important thing? Well, the most important thing is that I have a wonderful relationship with my wife and my children, Mm -hmm. yet they spend all day at work. And then when they get home, they're worrying about work when they're with their kids, Mm -hmm. the the time when you can truly connect with them. So a lot of time there's a disconnect between what it is you truly want and what you're doing. So this question is kind of a gut check time. It is. Say, okay, if what truly matters to you is that you're a really good dad, then maybe you should expend as many resources into being a good dad as you can be as to having uh, as to uh, being a good employee Mm -hmm. or employer. And everyone's definition of what it means to be a good dad is different. I think that's even where we have to hone it down even more. Well, some dads will say... Um, I bring home the paycheck. I bring home the mm-hmm. paycheck, and it, what's what's most important is that we have a house and and we can go on vacations and college tuitions. I mean, I'm I'm anxious and worry about those very same things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm out of alignment. I'm out of balance, mm-hmm. and I'm spending so much time making sure that I'm doing a good job as the dutiful employee mm-hmm. and forgetting about the people who I love most. Maybe I don't get that bonus, and I don't go on vacation to Hawaii, but and instead. I spend that time with my family on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and I'm not cuz as a lot of a lot of us men um we base our value based upon what is on our paycheck mm-hmm. and that's simply not the case. Mm-hmm. So. And that is a level of awareness is that it's not when we ask this question we may not always hit the bullseye every time meaning that it's the question in itself is an onion. Yeah. Uh, it's you know because we may say the most important thing, you know, what truly matters to me, my family. And then we have to step back again and say, well, am I, to your point, am I living this way? And if I'm not, why? Mm -hmm. And that's an onion in itself because a lot of that is based in fear. A lot of that is based based on what was told to us, um, maybe insecurities, ego, um, you know, the joy of our work. Like we may want to spend time with our family, but we may also love our work. You know, there's no, this is not about being right or wrong. This is about entertaining the question Mm -hmm. because entertaining the question will then set you on a path in a direction you want to go. If you never ask the question, then you're going to be constantly confronted with issues and chaos because you're, you're kind of moving along blindfolded. You're, you don't have any clarity about what you want or what you're looking for or what you hope for your family. But if your intention is clear and you keep honing that intention, you know, like even me saying I want relationship. Well, that looks different in every situation. Sometimes relationship means saying yes. Sometimes it means saying no. Sometimes it means allowing and stepping back. And sometimes it means stepping in. Yeah. Like these are not simple black and white concepts. These are practices of awareness. And so the whole you know, question of what truly matters to me, um, I find them to, they're grounding for me. And they, they are, sometimes the words change. I think the essence and the feeling about what matters to me has always remained the same. But part of the reason I change my vision board so much is because I realize different things come into play and different issues that signify 
the essence that I'm trying to um, live. Right. You know, like right now, there's much more of a sense of standing up for things, being more vocal, practice. You know, there's that, that sense where maybe five years ago, it was more about the contemplation of the questions. Right. And and things are evolving for you personally, Correct. for everybody. Do you briefly want to talk about um, the standing up part and what you're doing on Saturday? I thought I already did. Did I not? What are you doing on Saturday? Oh, well, so this today is what? Martin Luther King Day. Right. So, so this podcast goes up tomorrow, the 17th of January. So this Saturday is the Women's March, and I'm going to march in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because I was planning to go to D.C., but Todd has My men's the retreat. men's retreat. So he and I are actually... Uh, I'm taking on a more masculine role this weekend. Yeah, right. You're taking on a more feminine role. And I mean that in the best way. Yeah. Like we like, are... Yeah, you don't even need to clarify that. Yeah. I mean, but you're right. Yeah, I'm going on a retreat with a bunch of guys and we're going to work on ourselves and you're going to go march for women. Yeah. my and, So that my question of what truly matters when I was thinking about speaking up or standing up um, for this march, I had to really clarify. Yeah. I had to ask the question like, wait, what? What, what am I doing here? And I had to really wonder about, you know, I wonder if, and then I had to go to the next question, which is, couldn't we at least mm-hmm. <laughs> agree upon these things? And then finally it was, what truly matters? And this is what matters to me, you guys. Kindness, decency, diplomacy, women, girls. Those are my focus. It's also partnership with my with my lo- my husband here and the men that I love in my life. It's not about going against anybody. It's about strengthening this feminine so we can rise to be equals. So it's no it's not about, you know, some people have been saying things like smashing the patriarchy and I understand why they're saying that, sure. but that doesn't Resonate sit with, with me. Um, just because I don't want to smash anybody. Mm. I just want us all to be equal. Yeah. I want people to have human rights and civil rights, it nothing else makes sense to me. And so even if people can throw numbers at me and tell me business reasons why... Doesn't matter. We li- we're humans. This is about humanity. Mm-hmm. It's not about what makes most economic sense. This is about humanity. So, so that's why I'm standing up. And I'm very... Uh, I wish I could be there with yes, you. Yes, I was hoping we could do that together. So two things to the guys that listen, because I know there are a lot of guys in this podcast that listen. Two things. One is encourage your wife to go to if, if she believes if in these this things. Is something she believes this is something in, yes. that resonates with her. If this is something that will get her get in her empowered state mm-hmm. to stand up, then encourage her to do it. And then secondly, it is to go with her. Yeah. You know, it's so easy for us guys like, oh well that's a women's thing. No, no. this is a human being's thing. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't going on a men's retreat this weekend, I would be there with her. This is not a women's thing. This is all of us thing. And mm-hmm. the only way things are going to change, or let me say this, the fastest way for things to change is for the people in power, which are white males in this country, in this world, start supporting things like this. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Couldn't we at least come together and agree that we need both, mm-hmm. that we need not only men and women, but masculine and feminine. We may need some assertiveness, but we also need some diplomacy. Yeah. We may need some, you know, I don't even, you know, because it's hard to talk about these things because we are all of these things. But right now, 
there are things that are being discussed and things that are being possibly taken away that to me feel like rights, mm-hmm. like human rights. Um, and so we have to, you know, Martin Luther King says these things the best. You know, we have to stand up for things that matter right. to us. And when we know what truly matters. But here's the other key. Gandhi and Martin Luther King says we have to go, if we want peace, we use peace to get peace. Right. And that is a deep part of what I believe. Right. I, as a as, as a mediator, as a bridge building person, there is nothing divisive that we want to do. There is nothing harmful. We do no harm. We do no harm. But what we do is to bring more peace. We create peace. So I'm on the website, and it's womensmarch.com. And then if you go to womensmarch.com/sisters, mm-hmm. it talks about all the sister marches, which Correct. I think you are yes, a part the of. Chicago in Chicago is a sister march. Yeah. There are 386 scheduled marches wow. for this Saturday. And the estimated um, amount of people who are marching is 735,000 people. Wow. Sounds like a lot, but I think we could easily double that or triple that pretty quickly. So this is something that both Kathy and I believe in. This is not an against anybody thing. No, this no. is it, This is equality for all. For all. So if you're interested and you happen to listen to this podcast right after we upload it this week, which is the week of January 16th, 2017, encourage you to go to that website and get involved. Yeah, yeah. And if and if you can't go, um, you know, to support or to be interested or to see what comes next, because it doesn't, you know, when we're when we know what truly matters, it doesn't just end with one day. It's how do we keep being vocal? And here's the thing. You can do this. There's macro level and then there's micro level. Micro level is really what the show has always been about, which is your own home. If you want to practice kindness and decency, then you need to monitor your relationship with the ones you love the most. Are you practicing kindness and decency in your own home? Are you practicing kindness and decency in your workplace when you're driving on the road, when you are at a restaurant? Are you practicing these things? Again, these are the micro decisions or practices that then ripple into the world. And so you don't have to march to make a difference. Just to give you an example, I'm, it's pretty cool because they have the little dots on the map uh-huh. of everywhere in the country where they are, uh-huh. you know, and it's just a cluster of dots because there's 386 and actually they're all over the world. They have them all over the world. Yeah. It's not just in this country. Do you know where the second biggest march is? Where? Copenhagen. Right. Love it. I mean, that's but crazy. Just to give you an example, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, there's 12 different marches scheduled for Alaska, the state of Alaska. Yeah. That's in the one state of Alaska where there's very few people. And I don't know how many people are going to go there, but just the fact that this is truly, and you know, just something that you and I are big fans of and believe in, and we just want to use this podcast as a vehicle. If you happen to agree with us, get involved, step up, stand up. Peace and love. I mean, seriously, there is nothing. I, I, I feel like I've said this on the show before. I may have said it last week, but I'll say it again. I have asked the question to my family since I was like a teenager, 
of what it was like to live through the 60s. I have always been so intrigued and what it was like, you know, there was the 60s were a long span of time, you know, after President Kennedy was assassinated and then the Vietnam War and then the, you know, all of the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King and then, you know, Bobby Kennedy and oh my gosh, what was that like? Mm-hmm. And, you know, my parents, um, they were living in, in, in DeKalb, Illinois at the time and they were both teachers and are you know, our immediate family were not involved in the war. And so even though we had family sure. members who were, um, and so my mom was like, we kind of lived in our bubble of yeah. just going on our day to day. So they never really had a lot of information. And I feel like, I know it's not the exact same time. I don't want to compare it as it being identical, but it's a, it's a similar time where people are saying, okay, it's time for us to stand up for what truly matters. Yeah. And so it's just interesting. I just think about sometimes I, even though I've done Brian Weiss's, um, if you, I don't know if you guys know who Brian Weiss is, but he is a doctor, a therapist who focuses on people's past lives. And I have done a workshop with him before where I did a regression, but I've always wondered, like, you know, and some of you are saying, I don't believe in past lives. That's fine. Sure. You know, you can call it whatever you want to, but we are energy and mm-hmm. we just keep, you know energy doesn't die, right? right? So whatever it is, um I've always wondered if there are past lives, like what I did before. Yeah. Because there's some things that are so true to me now that I don't feel like they were learned in this life time on because Earth. you can't look at the evidence of your 45 no. years on this planet <laughs> because saying, I know I learned... when I was 7. Right. Yeah, and I don't necessarily know if I believe in past lives, but if I if I do, I know that the 40s, I had something to do with the 40s. Oh my God, Todd is so <laughs> from the 40s. Sometimes when we're in the car, he just wants to listen to 40s music. And but they replaced it. They put Pitbull on Sirius XM on Channel 4 instead of the 40s music. And Todd just sometimes talks like he's from the 40s and his belief systems are from the 40s. And he's just an old soul. I love the 40s. I know. I'm it, not a, you're the old soul. Well, but I may go back like to way, way, Ancient way. Egypt? <laughs> I'm pretty new. Todd is fairly, no, I don't know that to be true. I think you're a pretty deep dude, actually. Yeah. I really do. Working I on. think there's things you know. I think there is things that you in this lifetime have put up to protect yourself from a lot of pain that you experienced. Hmm, childhood baggage. <laughs> But you felt it all when you came in, man. Yeah. I mean, you are you are very um, you are very loving person. Oh, thanks, sweetie. You're not yeah. so bad yourself. Well, thanks. I just I sometimes there's just... no marches in Greenland, by the way. I'm oh. looking at the map. Greenland. Greenland is huge, by the way. Gosh. What's the? How many people are there, though? Four. Just no, four. there's not four. There's lots of people. You there. know, Leif Erikson, I believe, quote unquote, discovered Iceland and Greenland, and he decided to call Greenland Greenland, so people would think that it's green there, and they'd go there. And then he called Iceland Iceland, even though Iceland is beautiful. Yes, and he did it just to kind of like Mess bait, with bait and switch people. It's like the <laughs> best bait and switch Don't ever. Don't come to my places. <laughs> yeah. If These you're gonna are... come, come to Greenland because it's really green and awesome. And look at it, it's like it's just huge and just barren white. And Iceland is this cool little island, and I, I've heard it's beautiful. He but was messing with people. I have never been. Me neither. I don't really feel the need to be an international traveler yet. Maybe one day when we're getting old and we're going to die soon, we'll start doing it. Todd, but... we're going in our RV. Don't forget about our RV. That's right. Um, so we're going on a trip across the country. Here, Todd, there's one more. Don't, no, you don't said think five. I'm done. I know, but there's a bonus What about question. Brian's? I mean, what about that listener's thing? 
Okay, but there's a bonus question. All right. Okay? This is important, and I'm just going to read this to you. You ready? Bonus question. And did you get what you wanted out of life Mm. even so? Okay? So question mark. Did you get what you wanted out of life even so? The even so part of this captures perfectly the recognition of the pain and the disappointment that inevitably will make up a full life, but also the hope that life, even so, offers the possibility of joy and contentment. And what he's saying is that if you regularly ask the questions, wait, what? And I wonder if, and couldn't we at least, and how can I help? And what really matters? When it comes time to ask yourself, and did you get what you wanted out of life even so? Your answer will be, I did. Mm, nice. Isn't that gorgeous? Way to close the close the loop. I think that's gorgeous. So again, that is a, oh, sorry, microphone. Um, that is a commencement speech um, by Dean James Ryan from the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Um, quick listener question. Yes. Um, hey, Kathy and Todd, I'm worried our four-year-old son is suffering or being traumatized because mom and dad have moved into separate homes 15 minutes apart. I've been listening to ZPR for over a year, and I'm so grateful to you both. I believe you have a podcast or two talking about this experience, but I can't remember which ones, or if you haven't, I hope you will very soon. Love and peace to both of you. Well, thank you, Mr. Listener. Um, so my quick take is as a person who grew up in a household of some trauma and some yelling and some fighting between two parents, um, I, in retrospect, my hindsight is I would have loved for my parents to live in separate homes. Mm -hmm. Instead, they chose to stay together uh, because they thought it was the best thing for the kids when in fact it was miserable. Mm -hmm. So this man sounds like he's, um, feeling a little guilty Mm -hmm. about this. And my thing is what your son needs most is for you to be as healthy as possible and to be as loving as possible. And it's hard to do that if you're living with somebody who you don't connect with for whatever reason. So maybe the best gift that this guy is giving to his son is the fact that he did separate from his significant other and he can bring his best version of his self because what was working... uh, before no longer works. Yeah, I I think that's very true. And I also think that whenever there is some kind of trauma in a family, which is where, you know, maybe the parents are splitting up because obviously we know this is common, um, that, yeah, they will be a little traumatized initially. You know why? Because it's different and it's change and they may not want it that way. Of course they don't want it that way because it's not what they're used to. But that doesn't mean that they won't be able to understand it or deal with it or eventually accept it, um, that will happen if there is consistent open communication about how they are feeling and instead of talking them out of how they are feeling, accepting it and being present with that. I will give you an example. One of our good friends, when he uh, was splitting up from his wife, He was saying to, and he listens to this show, so he might recognize this story. He was saying to his kids, kids, isn't this going to be great? You're going to have two homes. You're going to have two places that you can go. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And he was telling them how to feel. Instead of asking them, again, it's this question of, you know, how can I help? Instead of asking them, how do you feel? He kept telling them how it was going to be great. Right there, 
causes a breakdown in communication because they may feel he had he had uh, more than one child that they then can't come to you if they're upset or uncomfortable because you've been telling them how great it's going to be. So they're either worried they're going to disappoint you or that they're missing something or that something's wrong with them. So the best thing you can do, even with a four-year-old, you may think, oh, they're so young, they don't get it. Smarter smarter than you think. They get it. They feel what's happening. And what they need to know is that they are safe in either home, which I'm sure is happening, that you are willing to talk to them about whatever feeling they are having. Sometimes if I'm having a deep talk with my girls about something and maybe a few days goes by, I will, like if they're just laying on the couch or listening to music or watching a show, I'll stop by and I'll say, I'll, you know, sit on the couch and be like, how are you doing with what we were talking about the other day? And I bring it back up. Now, a lot of parents say to me, oh my gosh, I don't want to bring those things back up because I don't want them to you know, cry again or whatever. It's a disservice right. because one conversation does not complete the cycle of feeling. It's something that we have to... We have to be willing to keep that door open and be willing to approach it and have the bravery to know that we may get a different response the next time. It may be better. It may be worse. Um, but that is intimacy. That is the kind of connection you want to have with your child or your partner, whoever it may be, um, is that you are available and willing to listen and accept what they're feeling. Um, Practical bit of advice? Yes. Uh, This man probably has a lot of friends and there's a lot of people who are divorced out there who have really healthy relationships with their former wife. Yes. And really wonderfully adjusted children. And hopefully you can find some people that have experienced that and ask them. That's a great idea too. Role model. Uh, You need a role model. Yeah. And, you know, my, you know, my experience that I shared with them is, you know, not a good one because my parents ended up staying together and they probably should have gotten divorced. Mm-hmm. And I would, I, I wouldn't have as many bags to shed mm-hmm. as a result. And, you know, I'm not blaming it's, you know, I'm now in, responsible for everything that has happened. It's to the me. truth about your past. Yes. And then now you're accepting that it's your job yeah. and your responsibility. Right. To live. And now I have this opportunity to help somebody like this gentleman who, who, uh, wrote in. So anyways, hopefully that helps a little bit. It did. It does. And to the person who wrote this, be gentle on yourself. You know, you're dealing with a lot too. Your life has changed a lot too. And if you spend all your time feeling shameful or angry at yourself or that you've dropped the ball or, or whatever, you're not helping. that's not helping no. because there is, he, your child, I, it's a son, right? He needs to know that you're okay. Mm-hmm. And of course, with your friends and everything, you may need to have your own tears. I'm not saying you have to pretend, but you can feel confident moving forward. Um, Especially if it was a mutual decision and it's already done, then what is the alternative? Right. Uh, Last but not least, a quick shout out plug for my coaching practice I do, Coaching for Guys, ToddAdamsCoaching.com. I'm going to help you guys out there with uh, relationships with yourselves, your spouse, your children, your money, career, job, all that good stuff. So if you're interested, go to my website, toddadamscoaching.com. And on that note, um, I'm glad you brought that up, is that I do sessions with women uh, around self-awareness and also I do supervision for therapists and coaches. So if you are a therapist or coach and you want a little support with your practice, um, I do that too. So I have a few times in February and March. So just go to comments at zenparentingradio.com, email us there, and then um, I will get in touch with you that way. Um, So that's that. Anything else, my darling? The five essential questions of life. 
and uh, get your tickets for the conference. We want to see you there. We love you, and it's going to be a wonderful 48 hours, or actually less than that, 24 hours. It, it Well, for us, it's going to be 48 for yeah, sure, because right. we'll be starting early Friday. Yeah. We're just thrilled about it. It's going to be great. All right. Have a good week. See you later. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. (laughs) On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And finally, I want to thank our two amazing partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Jeremy Kraft, that bald-headed beauty from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks, and keep on trucking.